This is JU Israel Teachers Lounge, where we reach out to current Gap Year students, alumni, and any interested listeners, keeping you connected to what's happening in Israel and giving you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Senior Israel Educator Michael Unterberg. Today, joined, as always, by co-host and director of JU Israel, Alan Goldman. How's it going, Alan? It's going great, Mike. How are you? And today, we're also joined by JU Israel Program Manager, Rena Levin. How's it going, Rena? Hi, good. All right. Well, today, I actually think that I want to talk about what's actually a pretty big topic, but it's based on a specific question that I got from a student named Michelle, who I taught at Shalavim for Women a couple of years ago. She sent me the following Facebook question. Uh, she has a friend who posted something on Facebook, and she wanted to know if she should engage, how she should engage, if so. And <laughs> that I will, in and of itself is a big question, right? <laughs> well, you know, that, at first it's basically a tactical question. Is it right. worth me, an acquaintance that I have on Facebook, who is an, also a Jewish person, but um, she doesn't know super well. And this Jewish person posted the following on Facebook. There was a time when I proudly said, wherever I stand, I stand with Israel. That time is long gone. Let's say, let's, uh, let's, let's clean it up a little bit. Uh, goodbye, Netanyahu. He didn't write that. He wrote something else or she, I don't know. Um, an emoji. An emo- a, a very, I would say, uh, it's, it's the, the emoji says what it wants to, and we will not repeat it. Uh, uh, emoji Netanyahu. And the whitewashed Ashkenazi voting populace that you wrote in on. <laughs> and he is retweeting and commenting on a tweet from Bibi Netanyahu that says, I congratulate my friend, Brazilian president-elect, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Yair, Yair Bolsonaro, for his intention to move the Brazilian embassy to Jerusalem, a historic, correct, and exciting step. So basically, Michelle's question was, what do I respond to that? I saw it on my Facebook feed. Here is BB commenting on very positively about the new president of Brazil, who is saying that he may very well move uh, the Brazilian embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. BB calls him my friend. By the way, I mean Michelle's Facebook friend didn't wasn't even, at least as far as I know, responding to BB's previous tweets, congratulating him on his wonderful victory. Now, I think that what disturbs, and I don't know what to call anonymous Facebook friend. Uh, AFF. AFF. That sounds bad. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. It made, it, me, it made me uncomfortable. Uh, this anonymous Facebook person, I think, is upset because the he's a pretty bad guy from a moral perspective as a leader. The Brazilian, the new, Brazilian new president elected. is racist. He's homophobic. Very openly. Uh, he's he's sort of against due process. <laughs> he's fitting into this sort of autocratic mold that we're seeing really all over the world popping up in the Western world, whether it's Hungary or Russia or Ukraine or South America. These le- or Poland. I mean, it's really a growing problem. I think we're in a democracy uh, uh, recession, if not a depression. And uh, and so what what this young Jewish person was offended by was the leader of the state of Israel praising a person who I don't think lives by the values that this young person thinks. Right. You know, the, the prime minister of Israel should be praising. 
So, so there's two levels of the question, right? right? One is what is going on that the Israeli government is openly embracing people like Putin and, and – and we may also want to get right. into, but it's only tangentially related, the fact that Israel sells arms to really horrible war criminal states like Myanmar and South Sudan. Right. Um, and there's or also move- China. And China. I mean, there's movement now because of grassroots efforts, but also in the Knesset to, to make that illegal. But what about this thing that, that Israel seems to have, and Israeli government has warm relationship with autocratic people whose values we find and Saudi Arabia, what's happening in Saudi Arabia and with the Khashoggi. Murder. Yeah, however you pronounce his name. I mean, yeah. I mean, Saudi Arabia is a complicated one. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I don't know that you see BB tweeting, you know, oh, thanks so much to our friend. In other words, well, here's why I see uh, – maybe uh, you can disagree, but I think yeah. Saudi Arabia is a little bit different because there's sort of a, a real politic. We have to work with our neighbors in Saudi Arabia. But there's a clear tension – because of our obvious differences. And that tension is so manifest that the cooperation is the exceptional thing going on under the table. Here, with Brazil, it's the opposite. In other words, up front, in the open, we're going to be best buddies. Don't you also think that saying, I'd rather my son killed himself than live as a gay person means you shouldn't call that person your friend? Like Bolsonaro said, like like these are not. If you know about these people, and Bibi's a smart person, these are not people. So say, you know, we very much appreciate this stance of the government of Brazil. We think that is very helpful and a good step towards. Is you know, you can, without saying, my good friend, congratulations on your victory. Right. So I mean, I guess there's a couple different things here. Is there's like the politics behind all this, the right. politics discussion, right? Which is. That's in and of itself an own dis- its own discussion of how we, you know, how we d- how we deal with that, and, and Israel's and certainly Netanyahu's track of real politics and trying to expand Israel's connections with all kinds of different countries, which he's really done in the last decade in many different ways, and then the sort of the other discussion about like how we, uh, like first of all, how we talk to other people about that. And how we, you know, how we meaning feel Michelle's about it. Facebook question. Yeah, I mean, Michelle's Facebook question of how we how we talk about that, um, and how we separate between government policies necessarily that are timely uh, happening, you know, now and governments so or what, so states. Can right? we start with that? So, start, can we start I, with your I, second? Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's like the real. That I guess that's what I, I think was really where we want to go. And I, and the one thing I do want to say about her post also is the also the clear lack of knowledge that the person who was posting. Uh, Give me political uh, knowledge, political thinking knowledge that BB is voted in by Ashkenazi. Yeah, <laughs> thinking that Israel's like Ashkenazi. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, it, he doesn't understand the Israeli right. Electorate. It's the opposite, <laughs> or she, or she. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so uh, it's just like all right. those. You're, you're, bundles, this is so clearly like, not a person who gets Israeli politics well, right. but who cares about Israeli politics. Right. Who used to feel very positively, well, and now good. feels very frustrated that they're not seeing Israeli politicians acting in a way that they respect. Right. Right. So what would you have – what would you – now I answered Michelle and we had a you know a little back and forth. I also got her permission to bring this up on the podcast and use her name. But um, what would you have answered her? Hold on. Rena's automatically <laughs> ducking to Alan. Well, he's the teacher. <laughs> um, what would I – what would I have answered her? First, first of all, I would go that track. First of all, you have like – you have to separate between governments and – or particular politics political governments and the and the government and the the country or state itself and the people itself um, because 
those things change. And the, um, but I, uh, uh, so that's the first place I go. The problem with that, and I see that there's an inherent problem in that, is that we're saying, well, Israel represents something. Israel represents a certain value. And she's saying, I always, it always represented that value to me. And it's not now representing that value. Right? Yeah. I mean, that was actually so, my answer was, I agree with you. I don't think Netanyahu should say things like that. I'm offended right. as an Israeli and a Jew, but you know that's not what Israel is any more than you can pick any elected leader of a country and say, well, that defines the country. It's not irrelevant to the country. Obviously, they were there voted in. There are more in. shades of gray than like, this is a value and they uphold it 100% of the time and now they don't. So I feel like you know he doesn't represent my values anymore. Right. That's probably it's more complex than that. Right. Yeah. I, I assume that this Facebook poster didn't vote for Donald Trump. So but I don't know that this this Facebook friend thinks Donald Trump represents everything about America. So and yet Donald Trump is the president of America. Mm-hmm. So you have to reckon with that. So And uh, the fact that people voted for him, like you can be upset that the person you voted for didn't win. Same thing with Bol- Bol- Bolsonaro. Yeah. Um, you know, he was voted in. And right. presumably Brazil is a democracy, so the people so wanted him. And it's troubling, mm-hmm. but what does that mean? Right. So it's complicated. And that's, and that's sort of, I agree that it is complicated, but it's complicated. Like, it's not simple. I don't think she should. I didn't, I, 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 don't, I didn't, look, she, well, I, said, I said, you also have to say your opinion. Like, if it doesn't bother you, then, you know, that's fine. But it does bother me personally, and I would be very upfront about that. I think that Netanyahu is doing a bad thing by right. calling a bad person, a friend. Right. I guess I guess it goes back to a little bit we've talked about before, but the, this, the way we grew up with Israel, and I think the way people often grew up with Israel in terms of Jews in the United States, that it, it, it's really, it's really, we put it on a pedestal. Forget about uh-huh. the rest of the world and, and signaling it out and all those things. We've put it up well, on we, a pedestal in the Jewish uh, community. I, I think we were taught to. Yeah, in yeah, other words, exactly. That's, that's what, what the grownups told us to do. Yeah. Yeah. So now she's coming and saying, wait a second, that pedestal that I learned about all my life is – and she's becoming a little bit more informed about the world. And, of course, more information is available. She says, wait a second. And she's questioning that. Um, what does it mean? What, let's, let's break the metaphor down for yeah. a second. What does it mean to put it on a pedestal? In other words, I love Israel. I think Israel's right. a great – I think it's one of the most moral countries on earth. I think it's, it's at the forefront of so many positive things in the world. But I'm not blind to faults and wrongdoings and mistakes and things like that. Like, like I don't think any citizen should be in a democracy, should should idealize. You by 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 pedestal you mean idealizing? Yes, yeah, correct. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I would argue any relationship. Like, don't do that to your spouse. Don't do that to you know what I mean. Like, don't don't idealize things that you have to address. Right. So, so you're suggesting that the Facebook friend is going through that crash. Of I was told to idealize and now I can't. Yeah, I think so. That's what it sounds like to me. I mean, especially with her explicative of you know, it's like <laughs> you know, there. You only feel that much when you felt that close, right? Like you could have seen like a spouse, right? You only hurt that much when you feel like you only go to that effort to really make a statement like that when you were connected. Also, to go from such an extreme, like you know, we we don't we're not friends with her on Facebook. We don't see what else she posted, but to say I used to support Israel wholeheartedly, and now this this is the thing that you know, like made you realize that Israel isn't perfect. Like, right. You know, to me, it just seems like yeah, like very ignorant to to think that 
you know, like you said, Israel isn't perfect. It, we we sometimes put it on a pedestal. And, you know, I think um, no matter what, like how old you are, or like depending on the community you grew up in, like I also was taught, you know, about Israel and all the good didn't really have any um, contact with like the conflict or anything until I got to Israel for my year. But you you like navigate and you learn which, you know, parts are worth fighting and what, you know, which, you know, like I, would I have engaged this person on Facebook? I'm not really a p- political person, especially on Facebook, but it's possible I would have if I had if I had, I probably would have reached out to a teacher that, you know, taught me the <laughs> Israel course and Israel education course. And, you know. That was our old friend, the Zen master, Zev Ben Shachar. Correct. Right. <laughs> Shout out to Zev. We called him David because it was the David project back then. <laughs> um, and, you know, asked probably advice, should I engage? And and if I felt like I should engage, then, you know, obviously to do it in a respectful way. But, you know, listen, these right. these are not, you know, everybody has, everybody's entitled to their opinion and views, but, you know, it seems like there's some core facts missing from that one post. Well, I, I think to a certain extent, and maybe I'm over generalizing, but I think if you're educating Jews in the diaspora to feel a connection to Israel, to a certain extent, you're selling it. You know, it's like you're trying to, it's like trying to get your friend to go on a blind date. So you're not, you don't want to be totally dishonest about their flaws, but you really want to you know, pitch this as something beautiful and wonderful to get them really into it. As opposed to if you grow up here, you don't grow up in an idealized Israel. If you live here, you see warts and all. And so it's easier to avoid that kind of, you know, whiplash of, wait, I thought Israel's supposed to be the most moral country in the world. And here's the prime minister praising a dictator or somebody with autocratic... Because right. yeah, most, most American Jews, when by you know by the time they're I don't know how old they are, but they don't they've never seen Israel, they've never been there. So, I like that blind date. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I don't think diaspora educators have figured out how to how to fix that. Right. I the don't good think, with the bad and it is really really hard. If I'm you know if if a kid isn't naturally connected to a place they don't live, so then how do I teach it to them in a way that both makes them feel that sense of connection, which is I think the priority of diaspora educators, make them feel love and connection. Okay, but how do you also feel like you have a healthy relationship that's honest? I don't think they know how to do that yet. Right. Can we go back to Michelle for a second? Yeah. I'm just thinking that I will actually, say this, uh, can I just say but sure. before you go? Sure. Michelle suggested to me and I didn't bring it up, and she's 100% right. She said, I'm not going to do it on their page. I'm going to do it like direct message mm-hmm. right. because I don't Privately. want them to feel like I'm publicly. So I thought that was very wise, just as a side point. Right. Uh, so that's back to tactic, which I think we do have to come back to tactic yeah. in a second. <laughs> Proper but, Facebook etiquette. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought that was sensitive. Or, or how you, right, how you approach these things. Uh, what's interesting to me, we're talking about it, is that Michelle was in your class three years ago. Mm-hmm. Is this the first time she's... No. Texted you? She's messaged you through uh, uh, other applications? Not consistently, but I always tell my students, you know, once I'm your teacher, I'm always your teacher. So if it's five, ten years down the line and you go, oh, shoot, I don't know if I should ask a question because I haven't been in contact in so long. Do you know how happy I am when a student <laughs> I haven't talked to in a long time? Con- exactly. con- it's the best thing in the world. So on the contrary, anytime you think of anything, please, please. So she wrote at the beginning, you know, one of these like, oh, I'm not, I haven't been in contact right. in a while. I'm like, yeah, great. Right. So, but the question, but that's kind of like, 
it's also the other side that you said there's the woman who we don't or the person who we don't know who wrote the who I noticed you guys switched to feminine pronoun in discussing <laughs> yeah. our anonymous Facebook person do you uh, know something I don't um, it was my mom right it was probably my mom Alan's no, a detective when it comes but to Facebook interestingly <laughs> I'm not the stalker excuse me <laughs> no. uh, when uh, when um, uh, is that Michelle chose this this is what like set her off to contact you yeah in quite a time like what is it because of what atmosphere is going on in america now that's funny or i didn't it, i didn't think to ask like, what what is it about this not only that set this woman off mm-hmm. or man <laughs> person person anonymous facebook friend um or and also set off michelle that it that because presumably she's had other yeah things that have been not so pro-israel yeah so like I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can ask Michelle why this one was. I will say that just in terms of her biography, she switched to Stern. So I think, I think she probably gets fewer uh-huh. uh, Israel issues than right. she used to. I mean, I'm wondering if it's connected to the atmosphere in America now. To the could be the, the, the elections coming up, so people are more sensitive about. I guess I did a I bad know. teacher thing in not asking her to. Uh, and not asking her what you know, what about it troubled her before giving my advice. I probably should have done that. Uh, I, I guess you know, for me, I responded how I respond, which is, how do you respond when something also bothers you? Right. But I didn't. I didn't do the. I think as an educator, I should have said, well, does do you? You know, I just right. I was sort of vague, right. but I didn't. I didn't say, does it bother you? Right. Um, I just sort of started giving my advice, which I probably shouldn't. Well, have. Whatever. Right. I mean, I, I, yeah, just I, mean, I just thought of it now. I just thought of it Troubled her. She reached yeah. out to you about right. it. Right. Right. No, but but, I, but that's exactly it. I, probably, you know, I'm going to give myself like a B, B minus, because I should have not assumed. <laughs> You're too hard on yourself. Yeah, I give you. No, a B, that's good. I'll give you a B plus A. Well, thanks, guys. You're super <laughs> sweet, but like that's okay. Can always um, do better. Um. So that's uh. But uh, that's sort of where I'm. Uh, like, what's going on now? So then it comes just to tactics. Yeah. What is the best tactic, really, to take? So and you said, is silence sometimes the best tactic? Oh. Uh, so you said one already. You thought messing, messaging her, which so I, one could disagree with because why shouldn't she put it out there? She, like, right. This she, person if posted it's out it online, in the world, she obviously yeah. wanted people to interact with that post. Right. But yeah. Michelle was putting it rather than on the what's best for Israel public image, mm-hmm. it's what's nicest to this person. Right. Which, by the way, I do think is – very morally defendable. Mm-hmm. In other words, totally. the whole world is not depending on this interaction. The Facebook world, which, by the way, well, it's right. amazing how much our students aren't using Facebook. Yes. I asked in my class at Harova this week, so it was like 50 young ladies, how many of you check Facebook once a day? One kid raised their hand. I'm in shock. Yeah. How many check once a week? So like 20. But they're just not there. Yeah. So I don't even well, we've know. Done, how- we've, we felt that trend in the last Yep few years yep. we felt that trend so it's not so surprising but what i what what no what but, concerns uh, but i, me I, I bring this. it up in the context of michelle saying let me take it offline and not have right. it a public I'm, I'm making that side of the case that's real natural you're saying about how students are using yeah in other words not engaging. every we don't have our discussions in public the way right. you grown-ups do because you're having these political arguments and it's crazy right no, it's true, and we've we've had even that struggle with you know all kinds of people, donors, mm-hmm. and everybody to try and get them to understand that you know students are just not using social media. You mean because donors keep do. telling us to yeah. get students to broadcast all over social media? Yeah, yeah, one of the yeah. thing, but not so much anymore. But was you know was one of the metrics was how much are students posting pro-Israel stuff on on social media, and it took us a while to kind of 
educate how students are using social media and they're not using it that way. And and once we um, succeed, we have to start over again because it changes. Right. right. Like it's a constantly evolving, changing relationship right. between different age groups and social media. Right, exactly. But on the other hand, I will put out a concern that sort of a confidence level that there does, you know, that the anonymous Facebook poster, you know, felt confident enough to put that out there. Right. Um, but, you know, Again, I'll you know Don uh, like judge her positively. Michelle was thinking for the friend, and she didn't want to embarrass or shame or anything. But, but was there also like, well, I don't want to share my thoughts, be that person. Like, I, I don't want to get into that public thing because I just don't want to be there. It's, I just rather say it privately. I, I, Again, I can't speak for Michelle. Let's I don't move think Michelle I don't out of think it because so. I think we right. find right. that right. a lot. Um, right. let, uh, let's forget we do Michelle. See, that is a very real problem of yeah. young Jews who say. I don't feel confident expressing my opinion. Right. I don't find and, – and therefore we find often even outside of Facebook where we found the students often just don't want to engage in uh, discourse about how they feel about Israel outside of the safe space of their friends who are like-minded. Right. Um, and that that I think is troubling a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think that that's troubling. Um, yeah. I think, I think there's – I think it's part of a bigger problem of – what millennials can and can't talk about freely. I think there's, I think it's certainly a problem on college campuses of what topics become taboo for various reasons that the way you talk is being uh, uh, prescribed, that that open dialogue is now oddly uh, from concerns on the left is being uh, prevented, open, open speech in a way that's sort of at least to me, sort of newish. I want to read actually Jonathan Haidt's most recent book, which is uh, The Coddling of the American Mind, where right. he's worried about how there are topics that become taboo and ways of talking that become, you know, that that the that intent doesn't matter, that the that the identity of the speaker is all that matter. Like, it, it, there's a lot of strange rules. And I think Israel, aside from our general concern as educators, that students don't feel comfortable talking about Israel, it becomes part of this galaxy of what I'm not allowed to say. Right. I, and I think it just fits into the larger picture of like the left and the right, especially in America, that, you know, regardless of any of our political standings in America, whatever it is, that the, you know... It, Everybody's valid. Everybody's opinion is valid. Everybody's entitled to have their own view. But some views are more valid than others because whoever well, gets the most of easily, whoever's the most offended by, like you said, these taboo topics, you know, it seems like people don't express themselves as much as they could because, like, I'm not saying that this is the case with Michelle, but that for for those people who are like, well, should I even say anything at all? And if I do, I'll do it in private because I don't want it to be publicized. I don't want it to be like public on Facebook. Um, you know, that I think that's also a part of it. Like I, I'm I'm a sucker for a good I'm not political, but I'm a sucker for a good political like troll <laughs> war on yeah. Facebook and YouTube and whatever. Um or Twitter, Twitter especially. Um but again, I, I don't think I would feel comfortable posting something so political, not that it's so political, I'm using air quotes, um, because because of the backlash it could get. Uh, so, uh, so can you talk a little bit more about that? Why? Because you are political. You you stay up. No, I mean you stay up on. It's not like you don't no, no, follow politics. Right, you are I mean political is, and you have a political opinion. Right, that. right. So why don't you feel comfortable posting? It's a good question. <laughs> um, I guess I I I've I most of my friends on Facebook are 
pretty much like me, grew up Orthodox and remain in an Orthodox community. Um, but when it comes to the handful of people who are not like that on my Facebook, and they're mostly um, friends or Facebook friends from college, which was like my first real exposure to people with differing, yeah, yeah, like dif- different opinions, especially about Israel. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's intimidating. And especially because... Like, are you afraid you don't know enough? That That's definitely a part of it. I think a lot of people probably feel that way. And that's probably why some people would prefer to mess, if they're going to message at all, to do it in private. Because they, you know, as much as they don't want to embarrass the other person, they don't, you don't want to embarrass yourself. What mm-hmm. if I, you know, sound like an idiot because I didn't right. know this one fact about, you know, BB or whatever it is. Um, that's definitely one part of it. But I guess... Yeah, like I, I, I do sort of hold Israel on a pedestal. So the more I learn and discover about Israel that that I don't agree with necessarily, it's hard. It's hard to absorb that information and continue on with my, you know, right. happy-go-lucky Israel attitude. Yeah. So you're afraid that if you if you enter one of these too deeply and you like what you say gets disproven, it'll chip away at your. Yeah, Your totally. Own, like uh, I'd rather I'd rather read up on my own or discuss with family or close friends that I feel are more informed than I am or that can help educate me and you know, come to you, those conclusions. So I might come right, to context. like not not compromise. That's the word. Well, right, con- reconcile, like reconcile right. those 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 conflicting feelings right. on my own. It's not only a fear of embarrassment; it's a fear of vulnerability of your commitment. Yeah. Wow. And how much of it is? I know this is an unpopular opinion, and I don't want to be that guy. Because there's certain, I think there's a certain amount of bandwagon. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's always easier to be on the winning side. So, mm-hmm. you know, if everybody on a certain Facebook post is, you know, ripping on Israel and just tearing it to shreds, I, who, who wants to be that one voice that says, nope, you're wrong, and then everybody, you know, right. like a pile-on effect. That's not, right. it's not fun, and it's not, you know, it, it, it's sort of like this helpless feeling. Like, you know, when I when I first started to think about getting involved with Israel activism, it's sort of like to, a little, you know, discouraging. Why why, why should the 5% of us or whoever it is care so much about Israel? Why should we put in so much effort to fight and fight and fight to show how is, how great Israel is just to get shot down by the so many more people who, who disagree and, ha- you know, to a certain extent have valid points? Right. It didn't stop me, but, you know. Right. <laughs> Right, and you and you also get attacked. Meaning, people will take out of context what you write. So that's right. another. Even if you're not, afraid, like, you know, and then they might attack the my background. Well, it's not my right. fault. I grew up, you know, the way right. I grew up. It, it's it's part well, of that's who that I homonym. Am. That's because that's frustrating that people don't argue logically with critical thinking. Right. They go immediately into the you know your yeah you're, you're out because it's identity. your identity or your yeah. yeah. I just saw one the other day. Oh, you libs always X. Oh, you conservatives right. always Y. What? Well, right. I immediately right. tuned out of that argument because mm-hmm. you're not talking about the thing anymore. So I lost lost my interest immediately. Both, you know. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about, just for a second, to go back to the issue itself? As an Israeli citizen, what do you think about Bibi Netanyahu calling people with at least autocratic tendencies his buddies? Um... And uh, let's let's agree that there is a real politic in the world. Right, that you have a, to work with. Right, you have to work with everybody, especially if they're in your neighborhood. But even if they're not, right, you know. So uh, since I have a pretty cynical view of um, uh, of upper echelons of politics in any country, 
<laughs> I think um, I, I don't take their their words to mean a lot, but I know their words do do have a lot of influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, for me personally, I don't take it. Uh, you know, when he calls him his friend, I think he's just playing politics um, and uh, that real politics that you're talking about. Um, I don't. Right, I don't think they're really I, I, going to each other's birthday party. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I think he'll turn on a dime, you know, as soon as he's not popular or if he decides not to move the embassy or right, some but deal. The, but, or, right, so that's um, why I disagree with you because in the lang- – No, I'm, not, I'm just saying – so I just – me personally, I feel like it's just more disgusting politics. I already have that cynical view. So um, it, you think he's it's just like, playing the game. Yeah, I know he's just so playing play the game. So play the game. At no point and, did FDR ever say, you know – I think that Joey Stalin's a great guy. I love working with him, fighting those Nazis. Nobody criticized the United States or or, or Great Britain for for allying with Stalin to destroy Hitler. But they never said, oh, my good friend Joe. Some of the Russians and (laughs) Belarusians, I don't know, maybe. Okay. okay, They they just shook each other's hands and and that was it. You got to work together. Yeah, we we all understand that in the real world that countries with shared uh, uh, agendas have to work together sometimes. But there's your friends and there's your allies who you don't share values with, you know. Should America buy oil from Saudi Arabia? Uh, you know, whatever. That's a different question. Then, should you say that uh, that the that the should you send a love letter to Kim Jong? <laughs> should like, you say, oh, I, I'm I fell in love with Kim Jong Un, who's essentially <laughs> right. running a. Di- I mean, it is probably the most brutal dictatorship on earth. It's 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 a bunch of concentration camps with people who live crushed. If de- if if democracy is just a, 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 the way we fight to get what we want, then okay. But if if Western civilization is about making the world better through better values, I, I, I just I cannot tolerate a values bankrupt political leadership. And, and, and whether you agree with their political decisions or not. In other words, it doesn't matter to me if you're a Democrat or Republican. You should expect your leaders to at least pay well, lip service what you mean by values, to morality and values. More values because they'll say a value is – his primary value is making the Jewish people strong and safe. That Good. is the value. That thank is you. The primary value. I, we thank the government of Brazil for moving the embassy. This is very helpful to Israel. Right. No, I'm saying when you say values, you're not your – I mean morality. I mean people who – who uh, it has to do to me with uh, I can't remember the name of Sharansky's book Democracy uh, something the case of, for democracy the case for democracy and his example really was Ronald Reagan who worked together with the Russians on nuclear disarmament <coughs> treaty and function you know trust but verify but was very open about the fact that this was what he called an evil empire in other words the Soviet system was corrupt and evil. You can rhetorically be honest about who you're dealing with as you work with them pragmatically in real politics. And what Sharansky argues in the book, which I I recommend people read, is that that has real life difference. In other words, that's where the language, which I I understand that politics is about using words for different things. But one of the things you do is to shape the character of your society and culture. And leaders have that responsibility not to say friend about a person who shouldn't be so it's like uh, calling out human rights violations. Nahum, I, I th- at the so, very least, right? So I'm just saying I've I've despaired of that <laughs> in the current 
in the current uh, world, unfortunately. So, you I, know, I, I I mean, as a, as a as a not only as an Orthodox person, but just as as a per, whatever a Jewish state means. And you know, we argue about how to separate religion and state, and what you know, what role. All those questions are interesting questions, but at the very least, there are certain universal Jewish values that, like the value of human individuals, and 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 and, and being you know loving your neighbor like yourself that that you should whatever your politics are and whether you're left right or center if you're leaders whether it's you know and it's same true in any country if you're if if you think Donald Trump is being mean to people and or if you think Hillary Clinton says you shouldn't be civil to republicans call it out like in uh, in civility should not have a place in democratic discourse because it's not menschlich and that's not how democracies function well by the way we don't need to go across the pond to that. I mean, our own case uh, from Saturday night's um, annual Rabin Memorial Rally brought up a tremendous amount of lack of civility from both sides. And, um, and here we should really know better from Rabin. For a while, the Rabin case was, look what happens when our language gets out of control right. and we vilify each other instead of disagree uh, with our political opponents and try to fight for our agenda, right. but embrace as share Israelis. There was there was that backlash, and it wasn't didn't go as well as I had hoped. But but how many times did democracies have to learn the lesson? There was right for a couple of years, but now we're back with the, in Israel with that language within our own political system. Can you give an example of what you mean? Uh, so there was a well. First of all, the, I think the most primary example is that a right wing uh, minister, I mean a, a minister in the government now, who's from the Likud, Tachia Negbi, who was right wing, who was part of the right wing when Rabin was killed, was invited to speak at the at the at the memorial um, rally in Tel Aviv, which gets thousands of people every year, which I thought was an amazing thing. Yeah, and he got booed and he got shouted down. And that, you know, that spiral, I think that, you know, coming from that side is just that that's one side. And then coming from the other side was like basically uh, some some politicians and others responding with basically um, denying any of the of the atmosphere that was built around what happened during the Rabin time, not taking any responsibility for any of the atmosphere that was built around. That, that created the tragedy. Uh, yeah, that I created agree. the tragedy. No, it's both sides kind of blaming the other and not. Yeah, and, and by the way, I don't know. Conversation I, let, talk, and that's. Let's like, say you don't think it had. Let's say you're. Let's say you genuinely don't think that that toxic atmosphere led to the murder of Rabin. So you're pro toxic atmosphere. Right, it's still a toxic. Like, atmosphere. what are you doing? Like, okay, so so cut it out. It's still toxic. You it's could still... say the same thing with Pittsburgh. A lot of people felt that you know, just to to put out that argument that you know people felt like Trump's increasing rhetoric about you know immigration and aliens entering the country let led uh, Robert Bowers, yeah, the the Whatever. lone gunman to you know kill Jews in a synagogue. That that rhetoric is sometimes what. It pushes people over the edge. I, I sort of feel like whether there's a co- – I, I would – I guess what I'm saying is I would rather not get into the debate over whether the causal link is valid right. mm-hmm. as much as – I want to be the opposite of a guy like that. Right. I think we should raise our children to be as different right. from that guy as possible, which means showing the maximum possible tolerance and respect and, and politeness and civility as we fight bare-knuckled on our political agendas. I'm not saying politics should be you know, pillow fights. I understand. But you do it with the classic, you know. I mean, isn't that really the ideal in Jewish 
tradition that you isn't it you you know you argue in the base midrash as loud as you can for your spot but in the end of the day you you know you shut the gemara and then you, you walk the away and it's and you uh, Jude- together you know isn't judaism built on that value of it's not the goal isn't to have one opinion it's not totalitarian fascism right. it's to have a multiplicity of opinions because truth is so multifaceted that no individual can possibly encounter it we encounter it in the debate I th- and I think the difference is, is that that what, what I've always felt encouraged to be is passionate about what you believe, whereas I think the toxic atmosphere is being passionate against the other person and what right. they believe. You it's, know what I'm it's saying? The, it's and the so embodiment you know. of the ad hominem. It's right. you are the problem, not your idea that I will right. disprove because I agree that we're both well-intentioned. We both have a perspective. Let's fight it out and come to right. a compromise. It's that you yourself are the enemy that has to be destroyed. Right. That's not a functional way to have a democracy. So – so stick, stick up for your policies, but demand that your political leaders behave the way leaders in a democracy should behave. Right. And here, the way leaders in a Jewish country absolutely should behave. I guess that's why that was my priority with Michelle as an educator, why I skipped the what do you think step. Because right. I really wanted to get out there that I really do think that what BB did was really wrong. I'm embarrassed that, that you know we who in our classic national narrative, our goal is to be a light to the nations. That's not a light to the nations. Selling weapons to South Sudan is not a light to the nations. It's not. And that, that to me is uh, the well, wrong line to cross. Right? Is bring that, I mean, is, person, it, sound, right? it sounds silly, but I don't think bottom it line. is. Like bottom line, can you defend that as menschlich? Right. As, as just good moral behavior. Good, decent behavior. Be decent. So I got a ways to go. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. And I think, by the way, see, to me, when you when you talk about that story, I hear Ali Kudnik brought up at the Rabbi Memorial. That, to me, is what I'm looking for. So, yeah. so you know, there's a glass half full side to it also. Yeah. Okay, he got some booze. But they didn't used to be invited. Right. Correct. So we're getting there. And I, I, I do think that we – I think we're going through a weird phase now globally – but I believe I believe that uh, that the good guys win in the end, not just from TV, but <laughs> for all sorts of reasons. That's a so, good positive note to uh, yeah. <laughs> end yeah. on. Yeah, naively optimistic. Yeah. But I think it's not naive. I think I think that it is also a Jewish idea that that you do well when you do good. Look, I mean, that I mean, good ends up being the best tactic. I mean, one not could just clearly wrong. say right that a uh, hundred years ago. We did not have the state of Israel, and things looked pretty bleak. And, I paid a shiva call yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Rav Yonatan's mother passed away. In her, she's in her 90s. And I'm sitting and I'm listening to a person who she knew who was also – she was on a she, uh, a kinder transport right. from Germany. Uh, she to was England. sent to England. And she grew up in England. She actually – her parents actually survived. And she act, actually reunited with her parents. Wow. But most of them didn't. And, you know, they went, she got brought to London. A Jewish family took them in London. And then there was the Blitz. So they got sent with all the British children out of London into right. these neighboring hamlets where there weren't Jews. And so they had to figure out. And, and I'm thinking, we're complaining about Jewish yeah. vulnerability today? Like, look at this person who then, you know, her kids live here in Israel and she lived here in Israel. Like... So uh, I'm using that as a as a um, uh, a support for your op- naive optimism. That I that, am with you. Naive optimism has always really been a part of us too. That's right. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. Thank you so much, guys, and thanks, Ben. Ben, I think uh, a lot more nodding than usual from Ben. So I think it must be a good episode. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Mike. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, This is the part where I remind you that we are the JU Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast. And it's also the part where I ask you to subscribe, to rate and review us, and to share and recommend us in any way you can. Also, we'd love your feedback so we can respond to you on or off the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys.